This is for the week of December 18th, 2022, and this is the last podcast of the year. Wait, do you mean we're not going to be recording anymore for 22? Not recording anymore. I got a little emotional there. It kind of surprised me. Yeah, well, it's, it, this has been a thing. We've been doing this now for How long a year. Have we done it a year? Did we start it in 2022? We started it in the beginning of January, so it's amazing. We've been we've been carrying this through for a full year. All good things must end, or at least take a short break. So we'll just take a short break with the podcast. Brad, will you miss us since we're not in your studio? Terribly. This is very Tuesday, 1030-esque. Oh, now people know when we record. Very good. Ah, they didn't know before? If they send us texts or or give us phone calls in the middle of it, we're not going to answer. Sorry. Nope, 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 nope. Or we might surprise you and you might join us on the podcast. Oh, no, don't, no. We're not going to. I know the people (laughs) in this place. Nope, nope. All right, well, let's jump in because uh, we've got things to do today other than dilly-dally here in Studio B, Studio Brad. So this is going to be Ruth Chapter 4 on December 18th. By the way, let me just do a quick public service announcement. We are coming up on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Uh, Christmas Eve looks like 3 and 5 o'clock, two Christmas Eve services. 3 o'clock only has child care. Correct. Correct. But families are welcome both services. Absolutely. In fact, I I love kind of having that family feel and kids, you know, screaming out on all those things. It's It's great fun. And then on Christmas Day... Uh, December 25th, Christmas Day, falls on a Sunday this year. We're doing only one 11 o'clock service, no 8.30 service, no 9.45 community groups, 11 a.m. only. And that's all I got to say about that. All right, so this is Ruth chapter 4. Let me read it, and then we're going to ponder this uh, together. Meanwhile, Boaz. By the way, let's, uh, is that, before I read this, Dave, I'm going to put you on the spot. Give us a recap, kind of. Pretend like you're binge-watching Ruth, and at the beginning of the last episode, it gives you the recap of the whole season before you get into the finale. Putting you on the spot. Okay. Recap us. So scene one, poor Naomi has a horrible time. She and her family have, have suffered through famine, and so they leave the land of Israel and go off to Moab. And while they're off in Moab, her husband... Her sons pass away. Her sons have married Moabites because they've, they've landed in this area. And so here is Naomi, a widow, with her two daughter-in-laws. And one of the daughter-in-laws says, I want to stay where I'm at. I'm going to go back to my family. The other one clings to Naomi, Ruth, and says, I want to go with you. Your people are going to be my people. And so they go back to Israel. Uh, there's an indication that the time of famine has ended. Ruth finds herself gleaming fields, as is typical of, of people who are widows or people who don't have a means of providing for themselves. They can go and gleam in fields. She goes to the field of Boaz, who also happens to be a relative that could re- be a kinsman redeemer, and so we've seen allusions to all of that. And the last scene, the final scene that, that brought us up to where we are today is a scene where Ruth and Boaz are are talking pretty seriously, acting in integrity, but but looking 
towards marriage to say, I, this, is, this is something we want to move towards. And the problem is, while Boaz wants to marry her, um, kind of the cliffhanger of chapter 3 is there's another guardian redeemer that has first right of refusal on Ruth. And again, different culture, mm-hmm. but it's meant to be uh, a way of protecting widows that they would stay in the family, marry somebody else in the family for security. Uh, and so Boaz has to deal as kind of the plot thickens here. This is a, this is a hallmark movie in the making that the, the, you know, the, the hometown guy that made good, the, the big city girl came back home, and now there's this other love interest, you know, that could threaten their relationship. It's the climax. That what's going to happen? Is it, are they going to resolve it or not? That's right. So this is chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, Boaz, knowing that there's another kinsman redeemer, he's going to take care of business that day. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer that he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. Now, they knew each other, so they went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring this matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if not, if you will not, tell me and I'll do it. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, that guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself, I cannot do it. Okay, so let me stop right here and we're gonna get into the second part of this, but a couple of things worth noting. This other guardian redeemer, we are never told his name. And it's interesting here that a person who is so concerned with protecting their own name, their own identity, their own inheritance in the future, their name has been forgotten to history. It's Mm -hmm. ironic that he was trying to protect his name. uh, And and he's not looked with on scorn, but he's kind of referred to here in this chapter as just Mr. So-and-so. He's he's been forgotten. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a little bit of an echo here of the gospel where Jesus says, you know, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But whoever loses their life will save it. It's mm-hmm. almost when we try to protect ourselves that we're more in danger. But when we risk ourselves in obedience, that's when our name is preserved. And that's why we know Boaz today, because he risked himself on account of this. David, any comments there? Yeah, I, I, as, as I look at this passage I, and, and looking specifically at, at this individual, I almost wonder if, if there are times when we feel pressure is going so strong that we just need to take a step back. God wants us to hang on with Him a little bit more. And if we keep persevering and keep pushing through and asking God to guide us in the middle of whatever it is that we're walking through, we're going to see greater rewards if we keep pushing through instead of if we back out. It almost echoes a little bit even of, of what you said a few weeks ago. Don't walk away from the shepherd when times are tough. That's right. There are so many times when we may be tempted because the pressure's on to take a step back, but if we keep hanging in there, God will resolve the matter with us. The very moment you're tempted to step back, step up. Mm-hmm. Boom, there it is. Okay, so now Boaz is also savvy because what he does is he lays this out as an opportunity in front of the kinsman redeemer. Okay, buy this land, you'll also inherit the widow Naomi. It's her piece of property. 
So here's why the kinsman redeemer, the guardian redeemer, changed his mind. Because he had assumed, as Boaz presented this immediately or initially, was I buy the land, okay, I'll inherit Naomi, she will become my wife, but Naomi's old and she's past childbearing years, right? So the, the, the threat to my estate of having children in her husband's name for her, probably very minimal there. But Boaz does the old switcheroo, okay? He says, Naomi's selling this land, you know, you, you would take on Naomi, oh, that sounds good, that's not much of a threat. But oh, really, once you acquire Naomi, the person you have to marry is gonna be Ruth. Now, instantly, the guardian redeemer, his antenna goes up, red light comes on, wait, she's younger, She's still, as one commentary says, a vigorous woman. I'm not sure what that means, but it sounds... <laughs> I'll explain it later. What, what is it? Brad, tell me. What I'm not it? going to explain that on okay, the air. Okay, probably no. would get us in trouble. So she's a vigorous woman. Now he goes, okay, so if I do what the law requires me to and I buy this piece of property, I also inherit Ruth, I'm supposed to have children with her, but they won't bear my name. They will bear... Her dead husband's name. Well, now my estate gets divided between my children and her heirs, and that's going to divide. That's going to uh, dilute my estate, and and I want to protect my own children. So what he does makes sense, but also uh, he backs down, and because of that, he is one step away from making history, and he loses that opportunity. You think Boaz was actually? I don't want to use the word conniving, but he knew where he was going with this. Not only did he know where he was going with it, he he took incredible steps to be prepared for it. I mean, you see his his planning, his level of of preparedness to walk into the conversation. The the law required that he had a quorum of so many elders, and so he grabbed ten elders and made sure they were sitting with him ready. And then he stood waiting at this particular gate, knowing this is where the relative would come through, and grabbed that relative the moment... He had his ducks he, in a row. He had everything ready to go. Yeah. What, what word did you use for him, Brad? Cunning? Conniving? Conniving. Conniving. I don't know if I'd that's, use that yeah, word. Yeah, that's probably a little strict. Well, I, I'd like the word savvy. Yeah. Um, and so he, you know, he planned this out. Everything he said was totally right and totally mm -hmm. on the up and up. He was savvy, though. He knew how to work. He knew how, he knew the art of the deal, right? He did. He knew how to he knew how to sell. Yeah, or how to not sell. <laughs> That's the case, maybe. Right. <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to do this. Yeah. Hey, by the way, as as we're recruiting a student minister um, to our church, I found myself, and we've had some serious conversation with a few folks. Uh, I found myself recently talking to student ministers, and let me, and I say this: Let me tell you every reason you shouldn't come to First Baptist Tulsa. You know. We're a downtown church, you know, it's going to require some rebuilding for our student ministry because the person we're looking for wants a good challenge, I think. Mm -hmm. you know, instead of trying to convince somebody to come, let me, let, me, let me tell you all the reasons you shouldn't entertain this because I want somebody who wants to wants a challenge, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's Boaz. He loves a, he loves a good challenge, and, and this guardian redeemer didn't. So uh, the guardian redeemer says, I can't do it. This is verse 7. Now, in the earlier times in Israel... For the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was a method of legalizing transactions in Israel. Just a small cultural note here. There's so many cultural snapshots throughout the book of Ruth. The threshing floor, the uncovering of the feet, the laying the garment over that are not explained. Because for the readers of Ruth, 
it was still practiced that way in their own day. So no explanation was needed. But here's a little kind of a parenthetical statement. Hey, th this is the way it used to happen, telling us that it, whenever people were reading this story, times had changed. Okay. So what's the deal with Boaz taking off his shoe and handing it to this Mr. So-and-so in front of others? Well, it goes all the way back to Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. God gives the promise of the Israelites saying, everywhere the sole of your foot lands, that's going to be your property. And so that was taken very literally, and Boaz taking off his shoes, saying, my soul will tread on this new land, it is mine. And so it was a way of formalizing that. We do contracts today, you know, we legalize things in a different way that would have been alien to them, but it's the second time shoes or feet are uncovered in this little book, okay? Hmm. Interesting. First time is when Ruth uncovered the feet, and this is where Boaz uncovers his feet. I don't know what all that means, but it's it's interesting to ponder. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let me read the balance of this. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and the people today, your witnesses that I've brought, that I've bought from Naomi, all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, Malon. And I've also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malan's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. And the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the women, oh, excuse me, the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together build up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathath and be famous in Bethlehem. Ephrathath is the region that Bethlehem is located. Um, through your offspring, the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah. So before we go into the, the final scene here, Dave, any, any thoughts on this, this transaction and the blessings given to Boaz? So I love that Boaz, in a sense, he you, you see his... You see his intentions, you see his uprightness as he asks for accountability to say, okay, in the presence of everybody, this is what I'm doing. I'm making it as plain as possible so everybody's aware. This is what's happening. I'm intentionally redeeming the land so that I can honor the legacy of this man, Melon, and that, that in the process of doing so, we're going to create a legacy for him in his stead. And so that happens, and everybody says, okay. That's good. Not only that, we're gonna we will bless you. We'll pray that that there that that does indeed happen. You know, it's it's good um, whenever we practice business deals or whether for our companies or personal business. It's good to give it the the litmus test, the sniff test. Am I willing for other people to witness what I'm doing here with either my company's money? or my own money, mm -hmm. or as we spend money here at the church, am I comfortable every penny we spend that everyone would know about it? And I think there's a, a great deal of, I'll put it this way, transparency ensures integrity. Mm -hmm. Transparent in front of others, it ensures a level of integrity. And there's a couple of really interesting blessings that are given here. I'm going to wait for the message uh, when I deliver this message on the 18th to talk about the blessing of being like Rachel and Leah and like Tamar. Um I'll just say here that those were considered two very important epochs. That's a big word. Two important epochs in Israelite history. And so there's a sense 
and the blessing given by these elders that history is in the process of being made here. Something happening is happening that's kind of a new beginning. So we come to this new epoch, um, and this is the final scene and genealogy at the end of Ruth. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he made love to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Does this sound familiar to anybody? You know, giving birth to a son. We're in the Advent season. Mm-hmm. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. And they were speaking more than they knew. He will renew your life and sustain you in old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse. Oh, and here's the good moment, the father of David. Here's the genealogy, and notice that there are ten generations mentioned here. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Abinadab. Abinadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. This is kind of the punchline of the book. When David's name appears, they go, okay, we see where this is going now. Even through all the chaos of the times, even through all the tragedies that Naomi and Ruth had endured, God's plan still came about. So in the cloud of the judges where, where everyone was doing right in their own eyes, in the cloud of, of the era where, where there was uncertainty for the future of the nation of Israel, you have this moment where one family experiences incredible grief, and then it ends with incredible hope through David, as, as David's name is mentioned. And people look back at history and say, wow, that was the starting point of, of the kingdom of Israel being a, a force to be reckoned with because David knew God and walked with God. David was a man after God's own heart, and every other king had to fall in line and be measured up to the standard that David had. So in the same way, there's there's some sense of, I'm trying to tie it together, and I lost it. That's all right. That's all right. Sorry. <laughs> well, we, we, we see here that in, in times when everyone was disobedient, mm-hmm. there were a few people who were obedient even when it was not popular to do so, and it brought about the very plan of God. And here's where we as New Testament Christians go not only brought about David, Ruth appears in the lineage of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So there's a bigger plan even than what Ruth was aware of or that David was aware of. I'll end with this and then we'll give it. And and Dave, don't be bad about losing your train of thought. I was going to say something else about that, but I forgot it. So I don't know what it is. Just kidding. (laughs) We all do. We all do that. We all do. It's true. Yeah. Sometimes I lose my train of thought on Sunday and I just start stringing random words together. Have you all ever noticed that? No. I cover it well, then. You cover it very well. well yes, you do. Sometimes I just practice. Call, okay, I'm just going to put it in neutral here until I get my thoughts back. Uh, I, I think it is worth noting. We call that vamping in music. Vamping. That's right. I just vamp. <laughs> yeah. Just, just kind of vamp for a little bit, and then it kicks back in. Verses 18 through 22 list off 10 generations, and that is very purposeful uh, because 10 is a signal number for the divine. Um, or, or completeness, rather. Um, ten fingers, ten toes, ten commandments. Um, so the idea of ten generations here s- says 
kind of during this dark age of Israelite history, God had a plan all along. And in our own ages, when we look and go, man, things are dark right now, God's got a plan. What we do does not stop that from happening. So trust, relax, and wait. Wait on the Lord. Okay, Dave, you got your thoughts together? Any last comments on Ruth? I would say just as Ruth clung to Naomi, we're called to cling to Jesus in the middle of everything going on and in the middle of clinging to God, even when things look like chaos, God will carry us through. There you go. In fact, why don't I let that be our, our walk away from Ruth? I'll go back and read that, that verse that Ruth says to Naomi, which should be our prayer to the Lord. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. And there you die, where you die, I will die. And there, I will be buried. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may God grant you peace now and forever. Amen? Amen. Amen.